Hey, Brock, how are you? Doing well, John. How are you? I almost forgot like our intro. <laughs> I know it's been uh, two months. We didn't we didn't catch up, and well, we caught up physically in October, but we didn't have an episode in October. So we have a lot to to chat about for for the people that are curious. Yeah, we've been we've been hanging out in real life and uh, not doing podcasts. <laughs> I know. I did think about when we were in LA, we should have had recorded a podcast in person. That might have been. It might have sounded weird though. Yeah, uh, yeah, we should have done one. We were in a uh, cast studios because I mean, I was just listening to our episode with Eric, and it just sounds so good. Oh, I know. So Eric, his sounds really good, and then um, Raphael's episode was recorded there too. So those both of those will sound like outliers in our library, but because they just they're so they're professionally recorded, and it sounds really good. Yeah, don't get used to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we even I don't think we even caught up since we we met up in New York the first week of October and then we were together the third week of October in LA and then we were just together this past weekend in DC so like all of a sudden we never really spent time together physically and then all of a sudden we were just together constantly yeah we met we met for the first time in person last year at the men influential conference and we had already known each other for a while at that point uh and then so that was like the only time we we had hung out in person and then all of a sudden like boom 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 we had like three uh, real world uh, uh, experiences, which was which was fun because they were all uh, very different. Um, but yeah, it's just it's been an awesome uh, like three months. Yeah, well, in New York we had a viewer meetup, so we were at Thursday Boots, had some guys come out for that. That was very cool, and then we spent mm-hmm. some time with the Articles of Style guys down in Soho, mm-hmm. and then uh, in LA we thought about doing a meetup, but the week ended up being very hectic. But we were able to. You know, we talked to other, we meet up with other influencers, and that's where Eric and Raphael, their interviews came out of. Uh, and then we met with the DC Damper Dudes in DC, which was like, I couldn't, I was trying to count, was there like 20, 20 guys there? Yeah, about 20. Yeah, and uh, just got to do, you know, small photo shoot and some, some sharing of knowledge information. And so I definitely, this was part of my plan, was to like get out and, and see more people, see more places, and so... It's definitely working so far. I, de- I want to get to like San Francisco and uh, I'm looking at something in Toronto pretty soon. And so it's been really cool to, to get out and physically meet people behind all the numbers. It is very cool. Yeah, it's especially uh, people who are kind of like Instagram first or like Instagram heavy because you just don't really get to know them. Like I feel like on YouTube, you, you kind of get to know people's personalities, but it's really fun meeting people who you know through their blog or through Instagram, uh, in, in real life and, uh, you know, actually hearing what they're up to and, and sharing tips and stuff like that. So yeah, the DC meetup that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And even in LA, like we got to meet Parker York Smith and Alex Costa, like just to see them for a little bit and chat with them, no cameras or anything. It was, that was really nice. Yep. Yep. Devin on deck. Devin on deck. And even spending day with Dan Trapanier from, uh, and it's cool too. Cause a lot of these guys have been guests on the podcast. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, man, the uh, the Articles of Style uh, meetup was a lot of fun, too. So just to clarify, so in New York, we, we did like a viewer meetup at Thursday Boots headquarters, and that was a lot of fun. That was basically anybody can come. Uh, and then we headed down to Soho to the Articles of Style space, and that was more of like an invite-only, more geared toward like entrepreneurs and, and you know, content creators and stuff. And uh, man, I, I just, you know, the, uh, that's another group of people who I've known for a long time. I've talked to, I've, you know, talked over the phone and stuff, but never met in real life and uh they're just it's like 
what's the opposite of being disappointed? Like they're just they they're just like true to form, you know. They're like kind of everything you hope they'd be. Yeah, wholly satisfying to meet those guys in person. Yeah, totally. And that one was smaller because their shop is so small. Like we were trying to get, we were trying to like kind of get numbers and RSVPs for either of them, and that's why I ended up splitting between the two. Um, but that one ended up being like like Christian was there. Christian came with a roll of watches worth like thirty k that he was walking around New York with, and it was kind of like, well, you're more daring than I am. Yeah, Christian, the guy's a character. Yeah, I remember uh, between him. So Mar- Marcel Flora showed up too with. Uh, I don't know if you talked to him much, but he had. Uh, he was doing something with Breitling, and so he had a, a few watches in, like, this little duffel bag. I think between him and Christian, I mean, we probably had, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand dollars worth of watches like, in that room. And I honestly thought for a minute Christian was going to trade one of his Rolexes for that Articles of Style top coat. <laughs> uh, I know. He was really into the alpaca the top coat. Yeah. But, yeah, that was, that was, a, that was a great time. So we're happy to report that the influencers you follow on Instagram are pretty cool guys in real life. Yeah, all good people. You know, we really haven't met anybody that, um, that you know, was, like, disappointed with or that, I don't know, wasn't like you thought they'd be, so. Yeah, but L.A. was, was pretty cool. We, we got to spend time with, like, Travis White and uh, Eric from Beard Brand. And that one, I was excited to go into just to, like, record some videos with you guys, but then... To, to go around like Hollywood and, and see the different parts of the city. Like I'm so used to playing Grand Theft Auto and I had some out-of-body experiences because it's, <laughs> it's so accurate, the map in Grand Theft Auto to L.A. But uh, that was the first time I got to spend real time in the city. I, was tra- I traveled there a lot for work, but it was like airport, hotel, meeting, airport, out of there. And so to actually like be in L.A. for a while was, was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. We, we spent... I spent most of my time in Hollywood. I think you got around a little more, um, went down to Santa Monica and stuff, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's such a big city. I feel like you could go there, you know, 10 times and not see everything. Yeah. Well, we literally didn't leave that like four mile radius of West Hollywood. Like we didn't go downtown. I didn't, I made it to Santa Monica like briefly and then I hiked the Griffith Observatory. Uh, but other than that, it's like, yeah, I can definitely go back five more times and see different stuff. Totally, yeah. And we did do some, uh, we got a few uh, very nice photo shoots in, so that was a lot of fun, uh, which which is funny. When you're doing that, when you're walking around with 10 guys and a bunch of cameras and, like, outfit changes in L.A., it doesn't seem weird because there's, like, another group doing the same thing across the street. <laughs> oh, I know. And I even ordered, coming back from that, I ordered one of those pop-up tents for, like, changing out in the wild, and uh, I had to order an extra tall one. But <laughs> I'm excited to actually put that into practice because I've changed in my car quite a few times yeah yeah definitely makes it easier than changing the car i feel like uh andy uh andrew snavely from primer magazine is like a pro like he knows all the spots like he's got the tent you know he's got the cameras so it was, oh, it was well, actually out with him knowing where to go so the one reason that we have photos when we're out in the woods is i really wanted to go to the spot from la la land kathy's corner where they dance, where Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone dance, and we found out the hard way that you can't drive there. It's like blocked off, and you have to hike there. And so we had an, an, an Uber take us most of the way, and then we were just like hiking. We didn't end up finding it. We got some good photos. Those are the ones with like the brush in the background that are on both of our pages. But uh, I then later like hiked all of Griffith Observatory, and ended up going like ten miles through the Hollywood Hills, and I found it. 
but it's totally it's very close you know, you can tell that it's this place that they shot but they definitely added some lights and benches and, and all kinds of stuff to make it part of the shoot so that yeah. was like one of the things i wanted to do while i was out there was to hit that corner very nice yeah, we, we, we couldn't quite make it that, that first attempt, but uh, I'd say definitely one of the highlights of the trip for me was uh, the last night uh, spent with uh, you and Justin Jeffers from uh, Jay Butler and the fine young gentleman. Uh, I can't really give all the details, but it involved Thai massage and uh, scooters. <laughs> yeah, we hunted electric scooter, the bird scooters down like all over the, the area and then got some ice cream and rode around. It was It was wild. Yeah, great times. <laughs> so I was in LA, and then I went to Marrakesh. That was for a wedding. Um, I booked this like months ago. One of my friends was getting married, and uh, I knew very little about Morocco. I traveled to Europe a lot, but Africa is a whole different uh, beast. And so I, sh- I was sharing stuff while I was traveling. And I have vlog videos shot. I have to get those kind of edited down and um, just showing the whole process of the trip, like packing, uh traveling that was i said to my wife like i've traveled hundreds of times for work and i never have issues with like delays layovers or anything and every time i'm with her we have like major problems it was hmm. a it was a real trip to get there uh but then stayed in the old city there's some i, I, I can't wait to share that video because like the place we stayed at was really cool and then like we went through the medina where you shop and then um the wedding was at this like gorgeous country club that's where i got to wear my black tie my uh Oliver Wicks dinner jacket from mm-hmm. uh goldfinger is the original one ivory dinner jacket with the black tuxedo pants and everything mm-hmm. and then uh spent the day in amsterdam on the way back did a chocolate tour in a vintage fiat 500 and then made it home completely exhausted from because the trip back was like 39 hours from the time we left marrakesh till, till we like got home uh, because we spent some time in Amsterdam, but that was a, a very interesting trip, and I can't wait to share some of that video. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I, I was following along a little bit on Instagram, um, and all, all the spots that you guys took photos looked amazing. Like all the backdrops, all the colors looked really cool. Um, and yeah, that that uh, that black tie outfit was on point. I couldn't tell. Were you wearing a watch? Uh, that yeah, the, the Cartier tank picture that I shared was the watch I was wearing, but it was tough to see on there um i have the tank from theo and harris i had the tank in the the gmt and when they asked to send it back i was like well can i keep the tank for like two more weeks i'm going <laughs> like i need it for black tie and they were like yeah sure and so <laughs> yeah i wore the tank for that and it was like it's so perfect there's been a few times where i've like really just just debated just keeping that watch and just paying them to keep it but uh i love that watch yeah that's uh how, so how, what would they list that for do you think I don't know. It'd be around two thousand. It's like a vintage. It's eighteen carat plated. It's not filled. I think the. I think I would want a filled one, but it is a mechanical, like a hand wound movement, mm-hmm. um, not a quartz. And so that's why I'm like hesitant on it. But my wife, my wife has always wanted one. I mean, it's unisex, so we could both wear it. So it's like, I need. What other reasons do you need? Yeah, I mean, it's an investment <laughs> for both of you. <laughs> it is. And you got a new watch since the last time we talked, too. I did. I haven't really been showing it because I'm not sure if I'm going to keep it. Um, uh. I'm, I'm, I'm having some some uh, some problems with that. I mean, not problems. I'm just, I don't know. I don't know if I should keep it or not because it's very similar to the one I already have. But yeah, I got so it's a Rolex. 
uh, Oyster Perpetual, 34 millimeter with the date, and it's got like this like smoky gray dial, uh, and it's on the Oyster bracelet. It's in amazing shape. Like it's it's a um, it's probably like an 87 or an 80, 88, but it's definitely been like refurbished or just kept in a drawer because it came with box and papers. It's in like perfect condition. Um, awesome watch. I actually really like the 34 millimeter size, but I have the date just, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's a dressier watch, but it's very similar. Uh, and I don't know if I can justify having both. So, so yeah, I've been thinking about that, but, but this is the first time that I haven't really been like, I feel like my, my collection, I'm kind of wearing like the same two or three watches and I'm pretty happy with where it is. So I'm, I haven't been like looking around a lot. Right. That's good. You have that satisfaction. I've been wearing the undone watch that I shared a lot. It's more like a field, um, you know, it's like a retro inspired field watch. I have a video going up on that pretty soon, but I've been wearing that a lot, which, which I like. And it's a chronograph, but it's, uh, you know, if you, if you do end up not really liking that Rolex, I think you have a podcast host that's been eyeing up some Rolexes. Oh, would you be interested in that one? <laughs> I would if okay. So I, if I had just hit one hundred thousand subscribers right now, I would probably get it as like a celebratory thing because I know it was a really good deal too. And if I'm gonna get a Rolex, I kind of want the box and papers. Yeah. So, uh, but I also told my wife I've joked with her that I would buy like a nice watch, an Omega or something, for every son that I have. And so, uh, you know, maybe I'll get one in the next nine months or so. Well, you did hit 50. <laughs> yeah, but that's I don't get a, a plaque or anything for that. I, I got a long way to go for, for that. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this, I, this can I, be a recurring segment every yeah. month, tempting yeah. me with a Rolex. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny. Like, once I still really like Rolex, and like, I, I still, I really like the uh, like 36 millimeter um, Explorer. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just, I like Rolex for a lot of different reasons, but. Once you have one, I don't know. I start you start thinking about other brands too. Like, I don't know. Like, there's there's something about like you ever meet like a watch enthusiast or a watch collector that doesn't have any Rolex and they just like they just don't care at all. I feel like there's like that's like this. There's something very evolved about that. <laughs> they're like they're, they're just kind of beyond that. But like I've been looking at Grand Seiko a little bit, uh. and the, it's hard to find a smaller Grand Seiko. There there are actually some in like the I guess what they would call like women's or unisex lines but mm-hmm. but those are super nice and like they'll they'll never carry the same like cachet that as like rolex or patek or anything like that but they're just so objectively nice and they look so good well i think they carry it in the right circles like they carry it within the tgv like uh our Entry watch gang group like those guys would regard it even higher than Rolex, I think, with, with particular models. And actually, the I did a video with Teddy Baldassar, the watch battle, and one of my favorite stories from that was there was a guy in his collection, he had a bank account named Rolex, and he was putting money away for the Rolex, but then he, when he went into the AD, he walked out with a Grand Seiko. And it's like, that, that's that been my favorite watch story uh, like that for a while. And it's true. It's like, they're, they're beautifully made. They're like elegant and they're made to be on par with rolex yeah that is a great story so you should make a bank account called grand seiko and then maybe you'll come home with a new rolex you'll come (laughs) home with the explorer you've been eyeing probably probably (laughs) yeah i mean the good thing is you know when you like with that little oyster perpetual like especially if you get a good deal on it 
It, it really is. I mean, I hate to talk about watches as an investment because you never know what's going to happen, but they're just so, they just hold their value so well that you really don't have to worry about it. Like you can kind of buy one and it's almost like its own currency. It's like a Bitcoin or something like it, you're going to be able to sell it for as much or more. So, um, it's not like, I don't consider it risky. I, it's just like, you know, the only thing that could happen is if you lose it, but otherwise it's more just kind of, it's more of trading than, than buying, you know? Yeah. And the, the whole market now keeps going up. You keep, uh, seeing like, is a Rolex bubble going to pop or something? But I don't know. Yeah, people keep asking, but then they just raise the prices, so who knows? They only come more desirable the less you can get them. That's true. Well, should we talk about some of uh, some of your new videos? Well, you hit 50,000. I think I think our last episode, you hadn't hit 50,000 yet, right? No, I've had a particular surge this month, and uh, YouTube has been... The, the YouTube robots have been very nice to me. My pouch underwear video saw... It was right before Thanksgiving. Um, so that video before Thanksgiving had, I don't know, 250,000 views, and it's had 80,000 views in the last four days. It's like all of a sudden YouTube put it on a bunch of people's homepages. And so I was on my way to 50. I thought I would hit 50 like in December, but all of a sudden like it really exploded. And so I think in October I had like 45 or, or – uh, maybe maybe 40 but it, it's it's the weird law of numbers on youtube it's like it took me two years to get five thousand subscribers and then i finished last year with twenty thousand, and now i've more than doubled it this year and so it's if you know if you keep putting out content it just keeps going up as long as you're you've got that feedback loop with the audience and so very thankful to everybody that subscribes follows watches everything yeah yeah it's awesome man well congrats and uh yeah i agree it's like it's going to ebb and flow, you know, and you can't, I don't think you can get too hung up on the dips because a lot of it's just kind of outside of your control. So just got to keep putting out the content that you like to make and that your audience seems to like and, you know, listen to them, obviously. And uh, I actually liked what you were saying. So in, in DC at the DC Dapper Dudes meetup, we each gave a little talk and you were talking about your channel and just like your expected view counts for videos. And, you know, I think you used, um, like like a way luggage or something as an example but if you put out a video that's like a review on a specific product like just based on search volume that that video is not going to go viral it's not going to get 250,000 views um you know you're not clickbaiting you're not using for the most part well except for your tanny video <laughs> uh crazy thumbnails or anything but <laughs> but it's you know so if that video gets 6,000 views uh, in the first like 30 days or something that's okay with you because maybe 5,000 of those people, that was the exact video they were looking for to make that purchase decision. And that's, yeah, and that's your model. It, yeah, and that plays into, like we've always talked about quantity over quality, is like I would I would way rather do one video a week, especially like now I've been pumping them out and it's been great to have the time to dedicate to that. But my the way that I've always set up my channel is like I want to have the video for a person looking for this thing and that just warrants tons of videos. Um, and it's, you know, I also... It was either right before that or right after that. Like I talked about having there's like this axis of like the Y axis is your receptors and your X axis is your actions. And it's like I listen so closely to the comments of brands and topic suggestions and then I take those and make those into videos. And it's like as long as you're doing that and you're like I, my North Star is always to like help guys as much as possible, navigate the men's world and then following their path of like you know they want to see – Svenson shoes 
uh, is a big one that I always hear, mm-hmm. like all these brands. And so it's like always making sure you're delivering what your audience wants while also helping them, you know, come along with the journey. And I, and I, that's what I've been trying to do too on my personal YouTube channel. I've been sharing like behind the scenes stuff as I've gone full time. Um, you know, like I've been trying to do like Friday updates and, uh, cause I, that's, I think people have mentioned this on the podcast too, is like people find your blogs where you talk about making money on you on, as a blogger. And like, that's so helpful to have some of that transparency cause it's not really out there. And that's mm-hmm. what I really like too about what we do is like giving people kind of the behind the scenes stuff. I think there's, there's appetite for it. Totally. Yeah. I think people, I think people who are interested in doing similar things really need the behind the scenes stuff. And I think people that aren't still find it kind of interesting. So I really love sharing that. Um, yeah, I actually published a, a, a quarterly income report for Q3, which I hadn't done in a year. I stopped Q3 last year um, just for a few reasons. And then I, I kind of missed it, and, and, and people were asking, and so I picked it back up, and it was really nice. And um, I actually have, like, part of my email list uh, is guys who are interested in the online business side of things. So, you know, I started emailing them again, and um, I really enjoy that part of it. But I've actually been a little quiet for the past couple weeks on YouTube because I've uh, I've been like doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff. Like we, we were talking about before we started recording, uh, working with video editors and like putting in the time to like train them up on how you want your videos to look. And then over on the blog, uh, basically working on finding contributors, you know, to, to help, uh, ramp up the amount of content that's being published over there. So I'm kind of looking at kind of gearing up for 2019 and, and, uh, you know, I know it's, it's, it's kind of the year for me. I'm, I'm thinking of it as the year as like team building a little bit and like, uh, thinking of systems and, and processes, not just like trying to do everything myself. Well, I think that's what they say is the ultimate sign of an entrepreneur is when you go from working in your business to on your business. And actually on the way back from Amsterdam, I laid out this like 2019 strategic plan for, for all kinds of stuff. And a lot, that is a lot of the shift is like, we've, We've proven that we can understand the audience. We have this like vision for what we want to do. But I know for myself, and, and you've mentioned this too, is like we then become the bottlenecks for what gets out there. And it's like if I'm sitting in front of the camera for every single video and I'm editing every single video and I'm writing every single video, it's like you can only do so much. But to serve the audience and ha- use yourself as the curator or the, the guiding light for you know the brand that you're trying to put forward, which we both are, that's the way that it scales because otherwise uh, – you know, we're just, we're just grinding on this wheel constantly. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of like a balancing act because I think, and this is probably not true for everybody, but I think part of the reason you get into this sort of work is the creative side. Like I I do like the creative side of it. Video editing can be fun. Shooting a video can be fun. Writing, um, taking pictures, editing, stuff like that. But at the same time, you don't want it to be, I don't know. I feel like, like once it starts feeling like a grind and, and the bottleneck is so, obvious i think you definitely need to start thinking about getting some help even if you're gonna like i'll never stop creating you know like i'll always work on some of the videos like especially the more cinematic stuff but um but yeah man i I agree it's like if you can if you can take some time to work on the business not in the business which is really hard to do because when you're working on the business you know that that's time not being spent putting new stuff out um but it's like so crucial because you can't grow without doing that yeah and i know it's like the people that listen to this are are really into like your your channel or my channel is like my my 2019 vision is I'm going to finally get to the point where like what I wanted to do when I started this which is like 
great guides, in-depth detail on guides, like less videos, but more, more research, more production, and more uh, just like higher, higher production, higher quality guides versus all these unboxings. Because I started the channel as an unboxing channel because it's easy, but now I'm trying to move into just way more impactful and useful things that uh, it's taking. It's like it's not my expertise, but I'm excited to, to flex that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think once you start doing that, it's like you can, because you've kind of proven that you can, at least on YouTube and probably on your site now, you can rank for like niche search terms like Ace Marks unboxing or Fort Belvedere unboxing or uh, unboxing or like the move the new Movement Watch review because there's not much out there. Um, but I think once you start making these. And you've done this a little bit, like the suit supply fit guide and like the made to measure um, or performance dress shirt, like the category reviews. I think you can start ranking for much broader terms, um, which which is what kind of what what I'm trying to do over, especially on the website. Like I just put out a piece, how to choose a, a wedding band, and I'm confident that like within like three to four months, it'll be on the first page of Google, you know. And then it's like, okay, how do you get it to number one? Um, but that's that's the kind of content I want to create, like that, like meaty, like in depth, ultimate guide type stuff. That basically, once you read that, you can stop googling. Like you don't need to know anything else about wedding bands. You're ready to buy. Yeah, that's a great metric. Is like, did the person reading this stop their search? Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like it, there's so much, there's so many videos and so many articles and stuff that you you read and you're like, ah, that kind of answered my question, but like I'm still in research mode, you know? Yeah, that's a good one. So 2019 should be good for us. Yeah, that's, I've also looked too. It's like, it's like how many unboxings do you want to watch? You just want to see what the buy the best shoe is. And that's what, it, you know, the sneaker video is that way and, and some of the other ones. So hopefully less videos, more in-depth, impactful stuff. That's where I'm going. I liked the, uh, the JCPenney's uh, Wednesday video. That was, that was really interesting. Oh, I know. The, the, ep- the podcast episode that he was on, I can't remember if I sent that to you directly. It was like, it was so enlightening and and also because i've always looked for videos with ron johnson on youtube or if he's in interviews because he rarely ever talks about his time at jc it's like he went in he shook up the entire department store industry and like jc itself and then he left and he he wouldn't really talk about it like if people would probe him in interviews he would kind of dodge uh but this was the first interview where he like went really in depth. He talked to Gimlet's founder, Alex Bloomberg, because I think he's an investor or an advisor at Gimlet. Hmm. Uh, And like, he really went into it. And so it really helped to crystallize all of my thoughts from when I was there and when I watched it happen. And then to get that behind the scenes thing, uh, I I basically wrote that whole video um, right after I listened to the interview within a within a couple hours. And Hmm. It's true. It's like I think today there is a space, and and Nordstrom is doing a little bit of this, and Macy's is kind of doing it. But it's like for all these D to C brands that people want to physically see, if there was an environment for them to have a physical presence, but not invest in it, uh, and spread that type of model outside of Soho. It's like if you go to Soho, you can see every Mizuno Main Suit Supply, all these other brands. Uh, but if there's a platform for them to get some some minor distribution without totally being the middleman, it's like that's the direction he wanted to go. But he wasn't able. He only they cut him out after a year, and uh, they just couldn't handle the pressure as the stock continued to drop. And uh, I don't know. He is doing a really cool company now, where like if you buy something, 
they have people in major cities where they'll come to your house and like set things up. It's kind of like a genius. It, it's it's like a hybrid between the Genius Bar and the Geek Squad. Um, so I'm curious to see how that goes. His because hmm. he's so into retail and so into service and and that sort of thing. So interesting guy, super interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember I had a similar experience where like that that was during that era. That was like one of the first times I like walked into JC Penney. I was like, oh, this is different. I could actually buy some stuff here. <laughs> Right. And like I the know. staff even seemed different. Like they, I was like, I like mentioned it and someone's like, yeah, like they've changed a lot. Like it's pretty cool. Like, oh, that's, that's neat. Well, and his whole thing, I, th- I think I forgot to mention in the video, like his whole thing is he wanted the service people there to act like Apple store employees where they were like engaged and excited and they didn't have to sell you anything. Like when I worked at Apple, it was like, you didn't have to attach an accessory when you were selling a phone, which is what like Verizon stores do. It's right. like, they just wanted these like really passionate, engaged people and I don't know, maybe it, it's, it's tougher to replicate in the department store model than technology because, like, not everybody has a JCPenney tattoo. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> and again, not everybody has an Apple tattoo. I <laughs> know uh, there's going to be one less of them as I continue this laser treatment. Oh, man. How long does it take? So far, it's been about two years since I started the lasers. I was talking to Mike McApinlack at Man Camp about you know, he's looked into it, but he hasn't started some of the laser treatment. I'm going to do a video on it because I'm just going to like, I'm probably going to call it like my $2,000 tattoo <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's very painful, very expensive, but I see it as like an investment in my myself. It's like, I just want to get rid of it because there is still stigma around tattoos. Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, <laughs> I was, I was just home for Thanksgiving and my, let's see, my, one of my brothers has a tattoo and then both of my sisters have, I think, a couple. And they were trying so hard to convince all of us to go get a tattoo. Like, all there's six six of us siblings. And uh, I was like, no, guys, like, I'm not, I'm not getting a tattoo. <laughs> like, like, I was like, well, once you have one, like, for you, it's no big deal to add another one. For me to just go out and get one, that's a big deal, you know? So Yeah, and they are totally addicting. Like, my, my problem with a tattoo isn't what it is it's where it is i put it here because i thought i could cover it with a shirt but i can't it's like if i had an apple tattoo on my butt cheek or something i wouldn't really care but it's like it's exposed at times that i don't need it or want it to be but then i got a second tattoo within like a year of having that that's the abbey road tattoo on my bicep and mm-hmm. so it's like once you get them you're kind of like well i could do this and that and it is a slippery slope but you like that one oh yeah i love the abbey road one i got both of the ta- both of my tattoos i have friends with a matching one so i have one of my roommates has an apple tattoo on in the same place same tattoo and then another one of my former roommates has the beatles one it's like they're both very significant to me because it's a lot about friendship and like they were very much a time and place sort of thing um and so there's like even extra meaning behind it too yeah that's cool and my wife has has been begging me to get one another one um which is related to like a band that we really like but uh, we didn't pull the trigger on that yet, but we're, she's pretty close. Nice. Sounds like that's going to happen. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Very cool. Your wife wants something, just make her happy. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> like getting a Cartier tank. That's true. And well, it comes full circle. I wish my wife was into Cartier tanks. <laughs> yeah, does she wear the 34 millimeter Rolex? She, I mean, I know she's got small wrists, but... You know that what? Should I, I should I should I should get it. I should I should make her wear it just for a day and just see how it goes. She doesn't really wear watches, although I did I did get her 
well, I should say Nolan and Darnell hooked her up with a, a pair of uh, vegan uh, Thursday boots, and she loves uh, them. Yeah. My wife has asked for Thursday boots, but I haven't, I haven't gone down that path. Yeah. Yeah, that might be the way to go. Dude, women in nice watches is totally a thing. Like, I look at some of these ladies' Seamasters, and I'm like, I should buy one of these for my wife right now. Yeah, I mean, oh man, they're like a great size, and they're for some crazy reason priced lower than men's watches. And like, oh, I know it's like half the price or less. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I want to see. Should share a pick with Becca wearing the Rolex. You you have your date just. She'll have the oyster, and then that's like his and hers. Oh, that'd be yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> so, what are you excited about in December besides Christmas? If you're into Christmas. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go up to New York a couple of days before Christmas. Do a little holiday uh, uh, party with the Peter Manning guys and do some work up there, and then go home for go home down to Maryland for uh, Christmas and New Year's. So that's gonna be great. But yeah, besides that, um, you know, it's it's I'm really it's it's like a planning mode for me right now. I mean, I do have you know a couple pretty good videos like you know pretty meaty videos coming out um and and some good content coming out but you know it's, it's not going to be super uh productive for the rest of the year i'm it's i'm more in like planning mode for 2019 and like really just trying to spend that time on the business and uh think about my my daily routine and and you know what i want uh for the moss man for peter manning next year and so that's that's kind of the mode i'm in right now that's good maybe in december we can talk about my my routine thing because i've been in the middle of a big a big shakeup. but uh i'm happy to not go anywhere in december like i'm not traveling i'm not i got my schedule is very much similar it's like planning be home with the kids we're doing a lot of like activities with them like santa stuff but uh otherwise it's like i'm just gonna be home in dad mode and work mode setting up for for 2019 so awesome if people want to share their 2019 stuff i'd love to hear that you can hit me up on on instagram yeah, for sure. Man, we need, you know, at one point we need like either like a website uh, that people can like comment on episodes or like a YouTube channel where we upload these as videos so people can comment if people have any thoughts about whatever we talked about or like suggestions or questions, you know. These do go up on YouTube. If you search buttoned up on YouTube, it auto posts the videos over there. I think there's like five subscribers. I just, I only started doing it like four or five episodes ago. So yeah, if you, if you want to find that on YouTube, We'll we'll catch you over there. Oh man, I gotta subscribe. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I still have the email alerts turned on for that one because there's so there's so few over there. Most of the like ninety five percent of the downloads are iTunes. Cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. Just I'm finding I'm finding it now. That's awesome. Yeah. So it's like it's some weird thing that Podbean automatically sends over there. So yeah, if you want to chat over there, Brock and I will be hanging out. Cool, cool. In the YouTube. And then, yeah, I think maybe not in the YouTube comments, but if you DM, if you have somebody that we should have on as a guest, because we've got guests through the rest of the year and uh, got some cool guests, but we're always looking for more because like, I can only search Instagram for other influencers and people can only ignore me so much. True. Yeah, I feel like if we have, if you can send somebody like a screenshot or something, it's like, yo, our listeners are requesting you. That's like a very compelling mm-hmm. ask. <laughs> mm-hmm. So love, love the guys that listen this far. Thank you for, for hanging out and, uh, 
We'll catch you guys. We'll do a December episode right before Christmas. We'll yeah. work out to get it done before you uh, fly out. Perfect. Sounds good. Yeah, I got to get some sort of like mobile mic setup so so I can do these things any anywhere because my setup in the studio is like definitely not packable. <laughs> yeah, we'll work yeah. it out. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Buttoned Up Podcast, a collaboration between John Shanahan of The Cavalier and Brock McGough of Modest Man, and we will see you next week.